I have called up in all my years of sorcery, no ominous and gibbous. And the thing was a streaming ooze Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week, we have a guest on our show, artist Justine Jones, and we'll be covering The Voyage of King Yuvaron with Justine. Hello. I'm Justine. Hi, Justine. <laughs> Hi, Justine. Hi, guys. I'm excited to talk about this really weird story. It's so great. <laughs> uh, so what brings you to Clark Ashton Smith? Well, to be honest, a few months ago, I had never read anything by Clark Ashton Smith. And I think I've heard his name before, but I had never read anything at all by him. And Michael Bukowski asked me to do one of his zines about him and at first I was not so sure because like I said I'd never read anything by him and I feel a little weird or I don't know anything about him at all but it actually turned out to be perfect because I love his <laughs> stories they're awesome and it's exactly the kind of thing I like to draw like wizards necromancers I'm all about it so I'm really really excited to be doing this scene it's really awesome what's up <laughs> I, I mean, we guess we could ask Mike this ourselves, but like, w what in his mind put you with Clark Ashton Smith? Like, why? <laughs> why um, uh... I'm not totally sure. I guess right. I think he said that when he saw my vampire drawing, which was one of my most recent Facebook profile. Actually, it's my profile picture for Skype, but that reminded him of the. Empire of the Necromancers story for some reason and like that oh, visual okay. style so maybe that's why <laughs> I don't know but I'm really glad he chose me because I'm really excited yeah. about it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so Mike's doing a whole uh, a whole zine of CAS because I have some of his other zines of like Lovecraftian-esque creatures well um mine um, or some of his art books yeah mine is gonna be a seventh church ministry zine um kind of like uh jeans which was beautiful. So <laughs> I don't know if I can live up to that, but I'm really excited. She did a uh, Gogol, right? Nikolai yeah. Gogol? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hers is amazing. I was really lucky to pick that up at SPX, which is actually where I met um, Michael. So if I had nice. never done that, then I wouldn't be talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Seventh Church Ministries. That's his like zine label, right? Yeah. He's like a he's like a weirdo mogul now. Yeah, and there are a bunch of oh, other wow. awesome people working on zines. Um, you can go to the website and check it out. I'm really excited to see some of the other ones. There's a Lord of the Rings one that <laughs> I'm really oh, excited really? to see. Yeah, at first I was like, no, I should have done the Lord of the Rings one, but <laughs> it's fine. I'm really excited about the Clark Ashton Smith one I'm working on. The world has enough Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Clark Ashton Smith stuff is so much more fun. <laughs> that's yeah. totally true, and that's kind of my thing. Um why I wanted to keep going with it. I don't have this 
crazy strong connection to these stories like I do with Lord of the Rings, where I've read Lord of the Rings a million times, is obsessed with it, and I have this like vision of how things have to look, and I can't be creative or deviate from that in any way. It's just hard. <laughs> but with Clark Ash and Smith, I don't have that, so I can just go crazy, and it's been awesome. Right, and right. it's been like his stories are really <laughs> inspiring. Like they really make me feel creative and want to do these crazy things. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so, uh, The Voyage of King Eurovan first appeared in The Double Shadow and Other Fantasies. Eurovan? Eurovan? How do you say it? Isn't it Uvaran? Uvaran? Oh, is it? I spelled it wrong in the thing. I've been calling him, like, Audubon and stuff because I'm dyslexic. So, yeah, it's Uvaran. No, that's me. I wanted to make him into, like, some kind of weird German car or something. <laughs> it's a Eurovan. Uvaran. Okay. So, The Voyager King Uvaran first appeared in The Double Shadow and Other Fantasies, published by the Auburn Journal. You'll remember The Double Shadow and Other Fantasies as the place The Double Shadow first appeared, as well as some of the other stories. And it was kind of like, the Auburn Journal, I think, was just the, like, some local press in Auburn, California, where Clark Ashton Smith lived. So a lot of these stories didn't see professional print until much, much later, including this story, which eventually showed up in Weird Tales, having lost, I think, 4,000 words uh, and, something you know, like... under a different title, like The Hunt for the Gazelba or something crazy like that. Uh, and then but it was actually his own version of a zine, really, because he self-pubbed it, yeah. sold it <laughs> for a dollar. I just want to point out how epic and metal the titles of all the stories that appeared in the Double Shadow and Other Fantasies are. It's The Voyage of Uberan, The Maze of the Enchanter, The Double Shadow, A Night in Malniant, The Devotee of Evil, and The Willow Landscape, which would make a great metal album lineup of songs. Yeah. That's all. I'm just saying. He's he's really good at titles in general, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I looked up, because we're, we'll, we're never going to read, probably, on The Double Shadow, A Night in Malniant, or The Willow Landscape, so I was wondering... Um, what they're about a night in malniant is like a dude who caused the death of his lover and he wanders into some city and everybody there is mourning a woman who has the same name as the woman whose death he caused uh oh yeah i read that oh actually, did you so. <laughs> is it yeah. is it good it's okay yeah. i wouldn't put it up high with his better work yeah um did you read the willow landscape i couldn't find a synopsis i did not idea. i did not read that that one that one sounds a little boring but that's okay you know, they can't all be winners <laughs> i wonder if it's yeah. like the genius loki loki maybe Didn't that one have like willows and a guy was painting them and it did yeah yeah it's like a ghost landscape or something yeah there's also uh there's Algernon Blackwood has willows. Right. Like, Algernon Blackwood did willows. Right. And they did that one on the HP Podcraft, actually. They did, yeah. It's a great story. But we're not here to talk about Algernon (laughs) Blackwood. Speaking of great stories, let's talk about Eurovan. (laughs) Let me just get into my Eurovan and we'll drive to Zothic. Zothic. I heard somebody pronounce it Zothic the other day. Zothic? Like Gothic? Yeah, like Gothic. Ooh. Like rhymes with gothic. Yeah. Weird. I'm down. I like Zothique better. Yeah, Me too. Yeah. It's like mystique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys ready? The crown of the kings of Hustain was fashioned only from the rarest materials that could be procured anywhere. The magically graven gold of its circlet had been mined from a huge meteor that fell in the southern isle of Sintrum, 
shaking the isle from shore to shore with a calamitous earthquake. The gold was harder and brighter than any native gold of Earth, and was changeable in color from a flame-like red to the yellow of young moons. It was set with 13 jewels, every one of which was unique and without fellow, even in fable. These jewels were a wonder to behold, starring the circlet with strange unquiet fires and fulgurations terrible as the eyes of the cockatrice. But more wonderful than all else was the stuffed gazolba bird which formed the superstructure of the crown, gripping the circlet with its steely claws above the wearer's brow, and towering royally with resplendent plumage of green, violet, and vermilion. Its beak was the hue of burnished brass, its eyes were like small dark garnets in bezels of silver, and seven lacy miniated quills arose from its ebon-dappled head and a white tail fell down in a straightly spreading fan like the beams of some quiet white sun behind the circle. The Gazolba bird was the last of its kind, according to the mariners who had slain it in an almost legendary isle beyond Sotar, far to the east of Zothik. For nine generations it had decked the crown of Ustaim, and the kings looked upon it as a sacred album of their fortunes, and a talisman inseparable from their royalty, whose loss would be followed by grave disaster. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys, but I picture like a because it's like a stuffed bird, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I picture like yeah. this janky old stuffed bird <laughs> like, hanging out on this guy's head. Yeah, it makes me think of those Vict- those Victorian ha- like this is Clark Ashton Smith just writing about Victorian hats, <laughs> yeah, in weird style. I picture a Dr. Seuss bird, kind of. Oh yeah, totally. It- yeah, I got that vibe as well, and I feel weird about it. But you know, take someone an adventure later. I mean, Justine, are you going to draw Uberan? Um, I mean the the first passage really makes me want to at least draw that crown. Yeah. So if I can, I definitely want to. What about his Kraken sculptured throne? I mean, that's pretty cool too. <laughs> and you could throw in that he, executioner he, with a huge mace. He has some cool stuff. He lives a good yeah. life. Totally. He wakes up and eats 12 courses and 12 wines for <laughs> breakfast, and I like a good breakfast, so I can... <laughs> I love Uber I can relate, breakfast. I, it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't think I could drink 12 wines. If I don't drink, I'd probably die. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'd do with all that food, but he was well fortified. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I do drink 12 coffees, so I could replace it. Just to swap them out. <laughs> What? He lives a good life. Yeah. Of course, you know his, that's like how his dad died, or he had worn it for two years and ten yeah. months following the death of Carpoom from a surfeit of stuffed eels and jellied salamanders. Eggs. <laughs> like, dude, learn from your dad's example. <laughs> Eating well is dangerous, but delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. I think the only thing Uberan loves more than eating is justice. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like all he wants to do after breakfast is. I mean, I guess it's justice, but he kind of just wants to torture some people, right? I mean, yeah, that's oh, what definitely. Yeah. That's what, as you do, you know. <laughs> that's what I want to do after I eat breakfast in the morning. I love this part about the about his desires. Like, he wants, they like they basically, like, dragged in vagrants, right? And they're, yep. and he's, like, trying to get, convince them to confess to greater crimes than they've actually been brought in for, so he can torture them, right? That's the gist mm-hmm. of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's pretty he's got, yeah, like he's got like two torture. Well, he's got a torturer and a an executioner standing right next to him. 
And he's like, he's, he's hoping for some hardcore felons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then he has this great line that I noted in my notes, which is that nobody, nobody's enough of a criminal for him. So he says, away with these mackerel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's like a slangy use of the word mackerel from back in the Clark Ashton Smith era, but it's a pretty great... <laughs> I just, I just sort of love you, Uberan. He's so ridiculous. How big is a mackerel? Like, that's a small fish. I think they're I, little. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know how big a mackerel is. I've never bought and cooked one. I have no idea. But it also sounds like something he says at breakfast. You know, like away with his mackerel. <laughs> Bring on the jelly deals. <laughs> <laughs> like the tone, the tone. I mean, we'll talk more about the tone of the story later. I guess. I guess people note this story as being tonally more akin to Hyperborea than yeah, Zofique because it is. Like, it's so comedic at its heart, like, in a sort of twisted way. And lines like, even that the name of the bird is Gazolba yeah. seems, you yeah. know, sort of nonsensical in a whimsical kind of way. This story really seems more like a fairy tale, like a Grimm's oh, fairy yeah. tale or something to mm-hmm. me, than any of his other stories that I've read. It has way more of that tone all the way through, actually. And, like, including the ending, which is kind of like a fable-type ending. On uh, on blackgate.com, they have a little write-up of all of these, and this story was a Hyperborean. It was part of the Hyperborean circle, but he rewrote it because the Zothic stories were selling better. Hmm. It still sense. got rejected, but <laughs> <laughs> it forever stayed in Zothic. So he rejects the mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then... This super insane thing happens yep. that I kind of, I don't even really know what to say about it, except that it's totally insane. Who wants to try to, to wrap their mind around what happens? <laughs> well, they haven't even gotten the guys, like the other ones, out when um, the constables came come in, but they're not even like, they're not holding the prisoner or anything. They've got like, they've got him held by hooks. Yeah. It's- and the hooks are like even buried in his face flesh which this sounds like it's gonna go all weird and aisle of the torturers yeah. but in, instead um he just kind of bounds and floats and and like he's like a goat yeah and he's dragging the guards behind him right yeah so that <laughs> like you would think oh they're dragging in this guy he's got hooks and his clothes and his flesh and no yeah. he's like dragging them in this is like a dr seuss story <laughs> yeah but what does it mean that he's bounding like a goat? Like, is he skipping? Yes. Is he hopping? Is he on all fours bounding yes. like a goat? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even think <laughs> yes about that. Yes to all of them. <laughs> yeah. I picture him skipping. Yeah. I picture okay. him kind of bouncing around or moving excitedly forward. I, I have in my notes <laughs> that they arrested him for hopping around like a Disney cartoon. So that's, <laughs> yeah. I know how. I, so maybe, I mean, I do, like those, like those, the, the, um, I don't know if they're goats in Fantasia, the pastoral part of Fantasia where they're like bounding yeah, around. Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. So maybe it's like that. I do love that that's why they arrested him. Because <laughs> he was hopping around like a weirdo. It's <laughs> Not because he's a necromancer. It's so dangerous <laughs> to be a pedestrian who's same. So dangerous. Like <laughs> they will just arrest you on sight. He wasn't even lessening the altitude of his saltations. <laughs> so like, like he was just bouncing through. He was literally bouncing through. <laughs> like he wouldn't go lower. We had to do something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. He was messing up with their airspace. Yeah. Uh, so what? What's Yuvran's response to this? He is. Oh well, the classic. Yeah, yeah he's basically like, you must be guilty of more than just bounding right. around like a goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's he's been suspicious. trying it all morning. 
Anyone who bounces them around like a goat is evil. <laughs> um, so I mean, it could be true. It could be true. I've never actually seen a human being bound like a goat. I don't think yeah, he's know. also cross-eyed. So yeah. you know, you know those cross-eyed folk. It's so crazy. So the king is like, "You must be guilty of more than that." Tell me your name. And the guy's like, "I've got a ton of names, but knowing where I'm from." Wait, I must have misquoted this. Anyway, he says he has a lot of names and also says to the king that knowing where he's from isn't going to help Uvaran, um, whatever that means, which just makes the king even matter. And he calls him a malapert, which I think is a great vocab word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just means an impudent person. Just a malapert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then the crazy cross-eyed goat man confesses that he's a necromancer. And he was born in the realm where the dawn and the sunset come together and the moon is equal in brightness to the sun, which is... I got nothing. Yeah. Kind of kind of poetic. He, he's kind of like a weird... I don't, I don't know. Like, part of it was like, oh, is he supposed to be the devil, which would be weird in a Kargash and Smith story? And that's sort it of like, you yeah. know, I've got a ton of names. But I, I, I don't think so. I think he's just like a crazy, zothique necromancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he doesn't really... I mean, I guess I haven't read all the zothique stories, but... He doesn't really act like any of the other necromancers that I've read anyway. No, you're correct. In an oeuvre full <laughs> of necromancy, this guy definitely stands out. Yeah, <laughs> totally. He's just like a ridiculous cartoon. Yeah. They're all kind of weirdo. Uh, I, my initial word that I was going to say is weirdo losers, but... No, <laughs> Tim, 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 Tim. <laughs> they are not, these are not necro losers. These are necro winners, all of them. Uh, but this guy, like, I think it's like they all sort of, all the other ones have a kind of gravitas about them. Yeah, and this they guy, do. Yeah, even internally. They yeah. take themselves very seriously. Yeah, it's this all guy's like, death whatever, and I'm lost cross-eyed. loves and yada. And yeah, this guy's just bound around with his googly eyes. Like that gremlin in Gremlins 2. Yeah. Um, so... When confronted with this wackadoodle character, they put him on the rack. Because yep. what else are you going to do? <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> just string him up. <laughs> He's impudent. Um, and necromancy is a is a capital. It is, it is, it is. Yeah. So he's he's. But but he's not going to you know he's not going to execute him. He's going to dissuade him. He's going to torture him. Like it's that's all you want to do, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you can think of a better activity to occupy the hours between breakfast and lunch, I would love to hear it. <laughs> Instead of the rack breaking him, he kind of breaks the rack. Like, they stretch him. Yeah, they stretch him. It does nothing. It does his, nothing. <laughs> his legs and body go beyond the extensibility of the rack itself. Yeah, I like your note that he's basically Gumby. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of, he Gumbies it. He tells the king, like, you should probably just release me. And the king's, oh, no, I'm going to kill you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very dramatic. That's yeah. exactly how Clark Cash Smith wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, what does he say? However, it is not thus that we deal with felons and who stain. Oh, and then the, he made a sign to the executioner who yeah. rose his massive leaden-headed mace to brain him, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I would, what are you going to execute a guy with a mace for? <laughs> that's a Uvaran wow. style. <laughs> I'm still going to call him Euroman because that's how it is in my head. I know it's just going to happen, so apologies. I'm just going to, it's just going to happen. On your own head, be it, said the necromancer, and he rose instantly from the iron bed, breaking the bonds that held him as if they had been chains of grass. Then, towering to a terrible height, which the wrenchings of the rack had given him, he pointed his long forefinger, dark and sear as that of a mummy, at the king's crown. And simultaneously, he uttered a foreign word that was shrill and eldritch as the crying of migrant fowl that pass over toward unknown shores in the night. 
And lo, as if in answer to that word, there was a loud, sudden flapping of wings above Yvorin's head, and the king felt that his brow was lightened by the crown's goodly and well-accustomed weight. A shadow fell upon him, and he and all who were present beheld above them in the air the stuffed gazolba bird, which had been slain more than 200 years before by seafaring men in a remote isle. The wings of the bird, a living splendor, were outspread as if for flight, and it carried still in its steely claws the rare circlet of the crown. Librating, it hung for a little over the throne, while the king watched it in wordless awe and consternation. Then, with metallic whirring, its white tail deployed like the beams of a flying sun, it flew swiftly through the open portals and passed seaward from Aramoam into the morning light. After it, with great bounds and goatish leapings, the necromancer followed, and no man tried to deter him. I mean, I like that if he wasn't cartoony enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Got stretched out like, <laughs> yeah. like the evil guy in Roger Rabbit. Yeah, oh, yeah that's definitely. Uh, it's so it's so crazy. It's a pretty creative use of necromancy, though, I have to say. You know? Yeah. 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 A plus. Yeah. <laughs> You're not trying to rouse a slave army. You're not trying to seduce women, which like multiple necromancers mm-hmm. in Zothique have done. You're doing fun things like animating stuffed birds. <laughs> animating the crazy yeah. Gazolba bird. He's <laughs> <laughs> definitely the most fun, most fun times necromancer. I wish we knew his I've name. Read. I wish I was just gonna say. I know. I wish so badly. It would profit you none. <laughs> it would profit me none. I think it would profit us a little <laughs> bit. So to add insult to injury, uh, <laughs> this is such a great. Uberan is bald under his like her balding <laughs> or something. So yeah. he, his. His shame is revealed by the by his crown being stolen by the reanimated bird. Yeah, he's like premature balding. Mm-hmm. It's all those breakfasts, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's all this like prophecy related to the bird, right? That it that it if you lose the bird, then it's a bad tiding, and it's been in the yeah. family for all these years. So um, Uberan decides he has to go after it. Um, yeah. Well, he goes to visit. Um, he goes to visit the god Giol. That he goes to the temple in which he dwelt the god Giel, and this is another one of Smith's super fun gods who aren't, who don't really comport themselves like the gods in other weird fiction. So he's just a god that lays the there, chillest gods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the god says to him, "Go forth and seek the Gazolba in those isles that lie beneath the Orient Sun." The god prophesies from his navel, and I feel yes. like that's really important. I mean, from the idol's navel. Yep. Yeah, I like Smith's chill gods. They're so chill. They're so chill. Anyway, on with the adventure. And because now it becomes an adventure, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he he loads up a crew. He loads up a bunch of ships, right? A whole fleet. Yeah. Uh, and set sail to the Orient Sun to find the gazolba bird that was once his crown. Oh, these birds yeah. are super rare too, right? So he's well, they're extinct now. Oh, yeah. did they say that? So yeah. If you yeah. find a gazolba, yeah, his... it's going to be your gazolba. Right. <laughs> yeah, his was supposed to be the last one, but I guess not because yeah, his god just told him he can go find another one and kill it. So. Well, I think I think his, his gazolba just went home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he is assuming that he's going to go find the same one. Right. Yeah. Don't hey, don't yeah. spoiler the ending. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, he's going to go find the same one and kill it. <laughs> this story has the only happy ending in Clark Ashton Smith. Um, I, look, I was curious if the gazolba was a real bird. 
probably because I'm an idiot, because clearly it's not so. a real word. <laughs> so I looked it up. Yeah, it's, it's totally not. It's totally not a yeah. real word. Yeah, it sounds and The guess isn't real either. Damn it. So his ships are outfitted, like, this whole story is so incredibly decadent, everything Uberan does. Yeah. Uh, so it's got yeah. crew, it's, he brings, like, a treasure hoard with him. Yep. He brings alcohol. Yeah, for no reason. He brings women, and I just want to point out the women are trained in exotic ancient harlotries that are older <laughs> than Atlantis, and I can't remember the other reference, something else. like. <laughs> and then the weapons he's going to hunt the birds with. So it's like he basically brings his whole kingdom Yeah, Yeah, it. right. Yeah. He brings jesters, yeah. ministrants, mercenaries from Zylac in the West. Just the necessities. <laughs> <laughs> But he doesn't know how long he's going to be gone. I mean, you know, maybe he needs all this stuff. That's true. Yeah, He's off on a quest. <laughs> then my other deep favorite detail from the story is like it lists all that stuff. And then I think the next paragraph, it talks about how Uberan is also bored. Like the, the journey gets boring <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. gnats start to get up. Cause he, yeah, to it was hide a tedious his, journey. To hide his baldness, he's wrapped a tur- like a purple turban over yep. his head. And gnats <laughs> start to get under his turban and like bite him and stuff. It's hard to be king. He doesn't get to torture people every day. It's true. Oh, it's that's true. true. Oh, but yeah. You, yeah. you make those opportunities when they come to you, though. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about, I don't remember the order of things because I did my notes in a sort of wackadoodle way, but the, can we talk about the crucifixion thing? Yeah, yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're, um, they're sailing along. Things are going well, super boring, but well, like the, the wind <laughs> is blowing and it, they're making a good pace and then they uh they sail by caverns uh Mm -hmm. and they hear apes they hear chattering apes then coasting the southern cliffs and promontories where the sea bellowed prodigiously in mile deep caverns the ships of uvaran sailed beyond sotor and tosk whose people were more akin to apes and lemurs than men but yeah so then he hears them talking and he sends his men at arms to catch a bunch of them and to crucify them (laughs) On the cocoa like, palms for their incivility. I mean, they—they're not. I no, yeah, they're just are like missing links. Yeah, they're just like Lima men hanging out, probably cheering him on. If Uvaran were running for president, he would totally be popular. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Wink, wink. <laughs> and I would vote he, for him. <laughs> he would make Ustame great again. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Sure. I mean, okay. why not? So anyway, what happens? <laughs> uh, the his his these lemur people are way too sly, and they get away. The men at arms aren't able to find any. So Uveran has them crucified. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah, yeah. It's so I I, I love this story. It's yeah. so Uveran's so nuts. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like a, like he's a maniac. Like, like a perfect picture of like an out of control ruler who is like i don't know i just i just love him the next reading i have is the vampires but i can't remember if what happens between the vampires the monkeys and the vampires um i think they oh wait there's griffins there's like a dodos yeah they hunt a bird and then there's that great line about um he's supposed to like have lunch with a neck like a sorcerer or something but he doesn't have the time or something doesn't that happen (laughs) um let me see too boring (laughs) There's too many gnats. Uh, hold on. Not enough torturing. Not, not enough torturing. There were rumors that the bird had passed above Sotar. Oh yeah, right. He practices with his uh, his archery and his blowgun on the birds. Yeah. So he's hunting like all these other kinds of birds. Yeah. 
they um wait wait hold on hold on sorry tim okay there, you want to so, find the thing about the sorcerer yeah so there's yeah. there's a, cun- a cunning sorcerer named Ithabos, and they like do some hunting on his on his island and when after some delay and defagation in the deep jungle um they came to the house of Ithabos on a high precarious crag he found that the bird was merely one of the bright plumaged vultures peculiar to the region which Ithabos had tamed for his own amusement so the king returned to loith after declining somewhat rudely the invitation of the sorcerer who wished to show him the unusual feats of falconry to which he had trained the vulture. That's amazing. <laughs> so this sorcerer is like, let me show you the amazing things that I've taught my vulture. And he's like, no, bye. <laughs> it's uh, not a gazelle, is it? I didn't think yeah. so. Well, I thought it was, but it turns out that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he didn't think he lied to him. Uh, oh, and then the, then the story also does this great... There's so much that happens in the story. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, um, at a certain point, immediately after this, the the narrator, or the voice of the story, also goes on to just proclaim the, the voyage boring again. It were, it were yeah. tedious to relate the full particulars of that voyage. <laughs> like, I'm not going to bore you with all the breakfasts and all of the practices and all the harlotries <laughs> that went on. But there were vampires. But there were vampires. I don't even know what this vampire story is doing in here. It's yeah, great. it's really weird. It's being awesome is what it's doing. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. But this whole thing is like everything that happens basically between, I mean, <laughs> everything that happens between when he leaves I mean, the aisle <laughs> and when he gets, which happens later when he gets arrested by the kingbird, is, is kind of just totally random <laughs> awesomeness that's yeah. like <laughs> totally wackadoodle do. But let's hear, I, I pulled the reading for the vampires, so we should talk about the vampires. So they they like pass by these weird like creepy islands that have really high caves, right? Yeah. And they like anchor for the evening. So Yeah, he's uh he's eating in his cabin and then he hears a wild shouting of alarm. <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> he's eating mango jelly and fenicopter meat. Sounds good. Yeah. Then, like things of nightmare, the monsters began to invade the hatches and assail the ports, clawing with hellish talons at the men who opposed them. Being somewhat hampered by their wings, they were driven back with spears and arrows, but returned again and again in a thickening press without number, cheeping with a faint and bat-like sound. It was plain that they were vampires, for whenever they had dragged a man down, as many of them as could gain mouthhold would fasten on him incontinently and suck his blood till little more remained than a skinful of bones. The upper ore decks, being half open to the sky, were quickly usurped, and their crews overcome with a hideous swarming. And the rowers in the orlops cried that the seawater was pouring in through the ore holes as the ships sank deeper beneath an ever-gathering weight. All night, at the ports and hatches, the men of Euvoran fought the vampires, taking turns in shifts when they wearied. Many of them were seized and their blood sucked before the eyes of their fellows as the night wore on. And the vampires, it seemed, were not to be slain by mortal weapons, though the blood they had gorged came forth in spouting reels from their wounded bodies. And thicklier they clustered upon the fleet, till the biremes began to founder, and the rowers were drowned in the sunken lower decks of certain triremes and quadriremes. King Yvorin was wroth at this unseemly turmoil that had interrupted his supper. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets cooler. It's awesome that there are so many vampires on these ships that the ships sink. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That's a pretty special vampire. 
<laughs> like, I'm just like, imagining giant, um, did you guys see I Frankenstein? No. No. Okay, well, it's terrible. <laughs> but the, the gargoyles in it, like, I'm just imagining them. And they have these really big wing, wingspans. So if you had, like, a man bat that was like that, yeah. you could totally haul down a, a ship. Yeah, that's kind of what I was imagining, like, some kind of giant gargoyle vampire thing. So then they're they're attacking Yuvaran's ship, and uh, Yuvaran and a bunch of his other dudes stay in their his cabin and just fight them all night, <laughs> just chopping off heads, just cutting through them, like guarding all of the entryways and just fighting, which is pretty cool. As we said before, I don't really understand what it's doing in the story, except that it's like. A visual theme of the story seems to be things that fly and these vampires fly. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's just a really cool thing. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what else to say about it. He calls them oopires. Is that a thing or is that something that he made up? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Is that in anyone else's? Is that just an Elbert's Dark thing or? Oh no, because it's in the Nightshade version. Yeah. I just I wondered if it was a, a typo that made it through, but. The clinging hordes of oopires. Yeah, oopire. Um, oopire is just another. It's a another word for vampire. Ah, okay. It's a specific kind of Eastern European vampire. Hmm. I had no idea. What are they doing in Zothique, I wonder. Good question. <laughs> They're doing the best they can <laughs> with the two. Yeah, it looks like it's Polish for vampire. Mm. Ah, okay. So what happens next to Uveran? After they don't say beat them off for you. <laughs> <laughs> After they, they get rid of the vampires, um, they take a look at the ships, and it is a mess. Yeah. Just an absolute mess. Yeah, his fleet's kind of decimated, right? Like, half of the ships have sunk just from the weight of everything. Mm-hmm. Even more ha- are just full of drowned men. Oh, that's the, probably the why. The sails are messed up. That's probably why this comes here, to, oh, kind yeah. of, to kind of call down his crew. Yeah. So he's still going to do it, though. Yeah, He is not turning these ships around. If a god tells you from his navel that you can win, then you think you can win, right? You, you can yeah. win. <laughs> and, you know, they keep sailing for an entire month. Like, a whole nother month. Like, I don't even know how long they've been gone now. Probably somebody else has taken over the kingdom. Uh, in It's mid-forenoon, early in the sixth month of the voyage, when yeah. they reached, reached the bird island. So six months. You can see why he took all those, you know, entertainers and stuff. <laughs> like, nobody had Netflix back then. So they reach this other aisle, and it's full of birds, right? This aisle is like this yeah. crazy bird aisle. Yeah, big birds. And he kills an owl? Yep. <laughs> like, A for no reason. Owl. <laughs> it's just there, so he kills it. Now, He's practicing. Do you think it's out of frustration, or do you think it literally is it's there, so he kills it? Uh, yeah, that's what it seems like. It was just there, so he killed yeah. it, and he—that's what he does. He likes to kill birds, and it wasn't <laughs> what he was looking for, but it was there. Um, it shouldn't have had feathers. It says ordinarily <laughs> he would have spared a prey so paltry, but he was sort of like Fuck this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what happens? Because it just gets—it gets crazier. Like he, then two giant birds come and grab him. Like they come out of nowhere and like pick him up, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the eagles um, from Lord of the Rings, or like the giant owls in um, uh, the Narnia books. Oh and yeah, and like the BBC TV series specifically yep. is what I'm picturing. <laughs> and I love that he gets airsick. 
That makes <laughs> yeah. me really happy. I, I don't like this guy very much, and so like, yes, get him, Erisic. Him up. Why he's the nicest, greatest guy ever. I, I enjoy him. I don't know if I like him, but like oh, I, yeah. I enjoy him as like a a character to follow a around. Character. He's pretty. I do. Yeah. It's and thus great. I enjoy terrible things happening to him. And they take him to a bird king. That's right, king Tim. A bird birds. king. <laughs> a bird king? I know it's hard to swallow, but it's <laughs> a bird king. The king of birds? <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Yvorin raised himself to a sitting position and beheld before him, above a sort of dais, an enormous perch of red gold and yellow ivory wrought in the form of a new crescent arcing upward. The perch was supported between posts of black jasper flecked as if with blood, and upon it there sat a most gigantic and uncommon bird. Eyeing Yvorin with a grim and dreadful and austere mien, as an emperor might eye the gutter scum that his guards have hailed before him for some obscene offense. The plumage of the bird was Tyrian purple, and his beak was like a mighty pickaxe of pale bronze that darkened greenly toward the point, and he clutched the perch with iron talons that were longer than the mailed fingers of a warrior. His head was adorned with quills of turquoise blue and amber yellow, like many a pointed crown. And above his long, unfeathered throat, rough as the scaled skin of a dragon, he wore a singular necklace composed of human heads and the heads of various ferine beasts such as the weasel, the wildcat, the stoat, and the fox, all of which had been reduced to a common size and were no larger than groundnuts. <laughs> Did they shrink those heads? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. These birds yeah. are crazy. I love these birds. These birds are crazy. They're amazing. I love that image. <laughs> yeah. A crazy giant bird with a scaled throat wearing mm -hmm. a necklace wearing of heads. I love it so much. Let's hope that makes so, it into the zine. Yeah. <laughs> I would love for that to be the I case. I want you to never hopefully. finish the zine so that every, in every single <laughs> image that Clark Ashton thought of to be in this like impossible to finish uh, work. That's that's my hope. I don't know. It's the thing where he had a stuffed bird in his crown yeah. and now this bird has stuffed humans and other animals and human heads and i love it it's great i mean it's like it's like he meets his like funhouse bird mirror version of himself <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. the bird king's kind of a dick too like he's, he is yeah, yeah they're like the same yeah almost. i mean i don't know i don't know if his bird eats 12 breakfasts and 12 wines well but, birds um, do eat a lot of their body weight <laughs> yeah so it's possible <laughs> We don't get to learn about his eating habits, unfortunately. Oh man, there should totally be a sequel story or a prequel story where we just hang out with the Bird King. And I love that, like, Yvron is kind of offended by the idea of this Bird King, but the Bird King is super offended yeah, by the idea yeah. of Yvron as well. <laughs> the Bird King of Ornava, oh filth of mankind. Yeah, so then the Bird King is like, <laughs> I'm the king, bow. Yvron's like, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. I don't bow so the if, bird, sorry. If I were you, Veron, like, this is the moment where you say, you know what, I'm going to create a new dynasty. Like, my dynasty is going to have an emperor bird on its crown, right? Yeah, right. Then you kill this bird, you shrink it probably, and you put it on your crown. Does he do that? No, he's no, not. No, it's the wrong bird. Yeah, it's not It's not the gazalba. Nope. Oh, but then he tells him, he tells the king bird, hey, look, I'm just here looking for a bird that I want to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I just want to kill the gazelle bird, so if you could help me out, that'd be great. It was feloniously not... left of 
bereft, or yeah, reft from me altogether. He's not the smartest. No guy. No. <laughs> yeah, and this bird just gets more and more pissed. Yeah, he throws him into the man cage. <laughs> yeah, like I do this to men, but you're doing this to birds. Um, not okay. To the man cage. And I do. I also like that the bird is so offended. That like a bird would be stuffed, right? <laughs> no, the bird stuffs all these other animals. So he really is just, just you've wrong. Everyone's so blind. I wish that Disney were making this movie instead of um, <laughs> that new version of the Jungle Book. Oh boy, I would. So- this kind of is. It is like a Disney movie. Like yeah. I mean, obviously not completely, but it has elements where i could totally see it being some disney animated thing oh, yeah, it's so for ridiculous sure. yeah a lot of his a lot of that hyperborea what was seven geezes that was hyperborea right that was like a crazy uh, yeah. story yeah yeah a lot of his stuff have that kind of cartoony humor people getting if, flattened and standing up and... Yeah. <laughs> if disney were smoking like you know doing more drugs mm-hmm. and not trying to appeal to children this would be perfect because it's got that weird trippy feel the same thing that like well, it's not Disney, but like how you got um not Labyrinth, the other one. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. Yeah. yeah. But it'd be better as Disney. Oh, this would be great with puppets. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so they throw him in the man cage, right? And he's mm-hmm. being guarded by birds. But he still has his misericordia. Mm-hmm. Who wants to say? Who wants to tell the people what a misericordia is? It's like an awesome little knife that you use to kill things. It's the. It's specifically <laughs> to to give the death blow. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but it also sounds like an instrument. It's yeah. It sounds yeah. like a some kind of harpsichord. I think it also I th- is it one. Is it also? Is it? I don't is know. Is there an instrument named misericordia? I feel like I looked it up and it took a little bit to find the misericordia weapon. There's a university called Misericordia. I mean, Misericordia. Yeah, it's it's like it, it has to do with um with with your with mercy. So it's supposed to be a mercy blow. I right. mean, it's, it's like not the coup de for him. No. Yeah. So what does he do with the good old Misericordia? Well, doesn't he wait? Isn't he wait? There's like commotion. Oh, right. Because his his dudes uh, attack. They try to yeah. rescue him, but mm-hmm. they're driven away by the giant bird guards. Uh, so he waits till night and a a nyctalope. Like a giant owl comes to guard him. <laughs> and he misrecords that... it. <laughs> yep. He, doesn't he pretend to have a seizure or something? Yeah, he like yeah. bashes himself against the cage. So that I mean, Uber is a dummy except in matters of violence, right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so he escapes. He's, well, how does well, he escape? Yeah, though? but he um, does that by skinning this bird <laughs> oh, yeah, and wearing right. its skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing, and it's amazing that the other guards don't notice anything. They have no idea. <laughs> he's not a bird. <laughs> yeah. He's actually he's really just... pretty terrible, I think, at being a bird. That's so a gruesome. A dude wearing a giant bird skin. <laughs> I love it. Like a giant, I mean, no doubt bloody bird skin. Oh, that, yeah. That, like... Yeah. He just skinned it. <laughs> and no one, no one notices. I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have a quip. I got nothing. I just... <laughs> oh, yeah. Like he imitates their woo woo sound, but I don't, he doesn't have eyes. I guess he's just, looking out through the. Oh yeah, you can't. But it's not like a costume. Bird eyes work differently. Yeah, especially and, these eyes. Who I mean, he's probably like, looking out of like. I thought, it said, I thought it says somewhere that he's like looking out through the neck or. Something. Uh, yeah, I just probably. assumed he was looking out through like one of the it. gory holes uh. that he had to cut to get himself <laughs> inside the bird skin. He's the best. 
he's kind of the best. Yeah. Uh, and I like that, like, the simple art of bird calls are, is kind of what prevents the birds from realizing he's not a bird, right? Because right. he, like, makes their sounds. Oh, yeah. It says that um, he had eye holes in its burly throat through which he could look out amidst the feathers. <laughs> oh, it's so gruesome and so surreally strange. But also to add to the cartoonishness, his knees were knocking behind the bird shanks yeah. <laughs> as he's yeah. walking around. Because he's scared. He's scared. I like to imagine Clark Ashton Smith maybe, maybe drunk or under the influence of some other kind of... Something. Something. Just sitting in his cavern in Auburn, like, just loving this. Like, writing that and being like, oh, man, wait till the readers get a load of this. They're going to love it. Yeah. But there's, like, a logistical through line, too. Because he gets to... He escapes and he gets to his, his... men and his men almost attack him because they just see a giant bird mm-hmm. and he's like no no you idiots <laughs> it's me <laughs> stop being dum-dums yeah and then they escape right yeah mm-hmm. oh, well yeah. they do but then they crash and there's like a big ship oh yeah storm they temporarily escape though yeah. but it's like a big apocalyptic storm it's like but not not caused by anything it's just like a big scary storm right is my recollection mm-hmm. yeah yeah and all the ships that are left, which is not all of them by this point, just get completely smashed. Yeah. Yep. True. That's the end. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> so Uren, he does like the shipwreck thing. He like clings to a piece of driftwood or something, uh-huh. right? So he ends up on this island, and it's and he sees a gazolba, but it's like it's not just one gazolba. It's like it's like an island full of gazolbas. A zillion gazolbas. Yeah, it's like the only animal on this island are gazolbas. So it turns it's out it's like you know pigeons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just he realizes that hang on, the other kings were totally deceived. Like some mariner showed up and said, "Hey, we have the last of this rare type of bird from way far away," and like, "Ooh, let's put it on our hat." And it turns out actually, it was like a pigeon or something. Yeah. Nope. There's tons of them. And he's not the only human on the island either. He sees this other dude. Does the other dude have a name? Um, uh, not yet. Yeah. So he kills a gazolba, therefore fulfilling his prophecy. And then he sees the other guy. He's got like a brace of gazolbas. He's wearing gazolba outfits. And he has got a matted beard. Oh, he sees this other guy also kill a gazolba. And then he also gets mad at him. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah. Vile surf, how darest thou to kill the bird that is sacred to the kings of Ustame? And knowest thou not that only the kings may wear the bird for headgear? I, who am King <laughs> Uberan, shall hold thee to a dire accounting of these deeds. No doubt envisioning either torture or crucifixion or misericord yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> and the guy just laughs at him. Yeah. I love how consistent he is. He's the king of Ustame and everybody should know it. It's six months away <laughs> by ship. Verily, this is the first and only jest that I have heard in nine years and my laughter must be forgiven. For nine years agone, I was shipwrecked on this isle, being a sea captain from the far southwestern land of Ulatroy, and the sole member of my ship's company that survived and came safe to shore. In all those years, I have held speech with no other man, since the isle is remote from the maritime routes and has no people other than the birds. As for your questions, they are readily answered. I kill these fowl to avert the pangs of famine, since there is little else on the isle for sustenance apart from roots and berries. And I wear on my head the skin and feathers of the fowl because my tarbouche was stolen by the sea when as it flung me rudely upon this strand. And I wot not of the strange laws you mention. 
And moreover, your kingship is a matter that concerns me little, since the Isle is kingless and you and I are alone thereon. And I am the stronger of us twain and the better armed. Therefore, be well advised, O King Yuvorin, and since you have slain yourself a bird, I counsel you to pick up the bird and come with me. Truly, it may be that I can help you in the matter of spitting and broiling this fowl, for I must deem that you are more familiar with the products of the culinary art than with the practice. Now, hearing all this, the wrath of Yuvorin sank within him like a flame that fails for oil. Clearly, he saw the plight to which his voyage had brought him in the end, and bitterly he discerned the irony that was hidden in the true oracle of Gale. And he knew that the wreckage of his fleet of war was scattered among lost islands or blown into the seas unvoyageable. And it came to him that never again should he see the marble houses of Aramoam, nor live in pleasant luxury, nor administer the dooms of law between the torturer and the executioner in the Hall of Justice, nor wear the Gazolba crown amid the plaudits of his people. So, not being utterly bereft of reason, he bowed him to his destiny. Ah, it's so good. It's it's so stinking good. I love like it. Finally, in this last passage, we're really like we know Uvaran, but this last paragraph here really lays it out. Like, yeah, he loves it. He loves to be the man in charge of justice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He loves the luxury. He loves to administer the dooms of law. That's such a good turn of phrase. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So he will get to wear gazolbas. Yeah, all the time. Uh, yeah, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also all the hats galore. This stranger man who like in, like sizes Uveran up and, and just immediately has his number. Like yep. <laughs> he's you're great more too. familiar with the products of the culinary art than with the practice. Is like Naz Obamar. <laughs> oh, that's his that's name. That's his name. Yep, Naz Obamar. So then he just lives out the rest of his life on the island. Yeah, the two of them. I love how he's Depending. like, look, I can kill you, but you know, it's been a while. Hang, come hang out. You're good for a joke. Yeah. Yeah. When I first read this, the sending just seemed so happy mm -hmm. compared to like other podcasts with pending. I mean, obviously, it isn't actually happy. Like all of his men died, and he's not king anymore, and he's on this island. But he doesn't die. Nothing awful happens to him. He just hangs out, yeah. lives on this mm -hmm. island. I think yeah, on, like with these birds. on the grand scale of Clark Ashton Smith endings, I think this definitely ranks as a happy ending. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the best you can hope for is bitter resignation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and being laughed but at. But delicious gazolbas. <laughs> yeah. Like, like originally when I read it, I thought that this guy was going to lead him to some kingdom where the king was sitting there wearing some bird on his crown that's really common where Uberon is from. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he would decide to torture Uberon and kill Uberon. <laughs> that would be... But then I guess you have that kind of with the bird king yeah. right. being yeah. his yeah. equivalent. So that would be too similar. I don't know. But I think the ending really works. It's just so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and they do kind of, um, for great delicacy, they... they slay and eat fowl that's really common from whether mm -hmm. from where they came from right. but is really rare here so it's awesome yeah oh and that's the vo the end of the voyage of king <laughs> eurovan um what is everybody's favorite episode in the in the many trials and tribulations of uberan and his shipmates i love I mean... the vampire fight holding up in the ship's cabin with this claymore <laughs> just chopping <laughs> chopping up vampires I, I have to say like it's the, the bird. bird King. Bird King. Yeah. That part made me kind of sad. 
because I I thought that that would be the ending, you know, hunting birds and then slain by birds. But the fact that he escaped, I was like, oh. I thought that he could have been like stuffed and put on on the bird king's crown or something. (laughs) (laughs) But no, he he gets a pretty happy ending. Yeah, I also love the beginning. With the ridiculous necromancer. Yeah. I don't know. I really like this story. At first, when I read it, I was like, what is this? But there's something about it. I don't know. It's super fun. Yeah, It's, it's just really fun. Yeah. yeah. I mentally wrote it off as ridiculous. And so when we we're coming around, I was really surprised you didn't want to do the charnel god, which, you know, we're recording later tonight. And then I yeah. thought, but then I reread it for this and I said, oh, no, no yeah. I get it. Yeah. This one has a lot more. There's a lot more going on than this one. And I do really love like fairy tales and it just seems like some grim's fairy tale yeah a totally ridiculous one <laughs> so ridiculous before we end the episode justin i have to ask since you're doing the Kargash and smith zine of the stories you've read and the smithian necromancers that you've encountered who would you rank as your hot your top Kargash and smith necromancer or sorcerer i mean you know what any any of that of that breed of character um well i really really like malagry yeah a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you only really get to meet him in one story. I mean, alive. Right, a, right, right. But I don't know. I love that story. It's probably one of my favorites. That's with his, where he's trying to figure out what happened with that his lost love. He's yeah. reanimating his lost love or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the last incantation. I just thought that was really beautiful. And I like them describing his tower and the unicorn head uh, and his little snake friend the snake yeah. yeah which i also love in the other story with him but um yeah the snake is i don't know amazing. i just i really liked him <laughs> the problem with him is that he's described a little better than some of the other ones so it can't be as crazy with him yeah, yeah. when i draw him <laughs> but have you read any of the mal dweb stories um i did read both of the mal dweb oh, stories yeah. He's totally ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I really like those stories, Uh but I guess I can't relate to Meldweb in any way. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's OP. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's just, it's too much. I mean, obviously, Malagry has like an insane amount of power, but. Yeah, but he dies. Yeah, he dies. He's. He's more like a classical wizard. Yeah. yeah. And we see him being really fragile. Like, yeah, the time we right. meet him yeah. is when we learn, like, power isn't everything. Right. Aww. Which is and not that... quite goat guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Goat guy's just in it for the laughs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to draw him. There's too many things. There's too <laughs> yeah. many things. Yeah. That was such draw. a sad Clark Ashen Smithian sigh. Yeah. There's just too many wonders. <laughs> I don't know, do I have anything else to say about Uvarin? It's like a his good... name isn't Eurovan. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all make mistakes. Yeah, it was pulp scholar Will Murray who dug up that it was, he wrote it as a Hyperborean story, which is why it's more comical than the, the rest of the... Yeah, the that zoffy. makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. I think the comedy in this story is maybe more successful than any other Hyperborea story. I, I feel like the story yeah. is pretty... Like the other ones, like you were like, oh, okay, it's, it's yeah, that's right. funny. But this one, I think, is like pretty legit. It's actually funny, like, yeah. pretty legitimately <laughs> funny. Mm-hmm. And I really, I do like the character of Yvonne, and I like how he never really breaks character. No, He's always yeah. the same. <laughs> All 
All right. So yep. I guess that's, I guess that's it. it then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Justine. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I love your podcast. I've been listening to it ever since I found out I was doing it. <laughs> I think I've probably listened to all of it that I could because right. some of the episodes you can't find anymore. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. really? Wow. Re- yeah. Oh. Some of the earlier ones I can't listen to on the site. There's a delightful Swedish <laughs> filmmaker who is a huge fan of the podcast and he keeps messaging <laughs> right. me asking me to find the first episode for him and i'm like i don't have it i'm um, so sorry let me see I, I might be able to find it okay let me get on that good to know um uh, i mean it's not that good <laughs> no it's great we're holding it back it's in the vault yeah, yeah. it's the best yeah. one yeah. it's where we reveal all <laughs> we, the secrets we put it on gold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um justine do you want to plug anything before we um before we say goodbye well uh my name is justine jones and you, if you're interested in checking out my art at all, you can find me at justinejonesillustration.tumblr.com. That's just my portfolio blog. And then I have hauntedforest.tumblr.com, which is my personal blog. And you can see a lot of my <laughs> influences and stuff there. I like to post a lot of just sci-fi and horror art. And then um, on Etsy, I'm Haunted Forest. And I have a lot of stuff on there. Right. I can and put those in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, you, <laughs> yeah, are, you are interested in checking out Justine Jones's art. So go do that. <laughs> and pre-ordering or seeing if you can talk Mike Bukowski into letting you pre-order. We don't have like a release date yet for it or anything, but it's coming. It's happening. And if you follow me in any of those places, you'll get to see me working on it. Oh, actually, um, Teen Witch on Instagram. Teen underscore which that's where I post all my progress stuff. Awesome. <laughs> so check it out. Alright, and that is the double shadow. And get in uh, the Eurobank, get onto the Autobahn, head towards the Charnel God. Next time we'll be doing the Charnel God, just as Philip just saw. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks everybody. Why don't you use your computer? Tim? You know what the subtext of that question was, Tim? Why are you a dummy? <laughs> no. God, Tim. You're a doofus. <laughs> <laughs>